Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Howdy and welcome to Just Dads Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. Matt, my goodness gracious, this week. <laughs> this week, we got, we're got we on one. I'm going to say we're on one. <laughs> is, this, is this the episode we start with a long, audible sigh? Just, <sighs> boy. <sighs> it's not it's not really a sigh of relief. It's a just, I'm just so, I'm just so glad that, uh-huh. um, this book ended on a happy no <laughs> right at the right at the last <laughs> second right at the last second okay so let's let's this might we could go long today so maybe we should dive right in this yeah. week's book is the last quintista by donna barba higuera it is the 2022 newberry medal winner the 2022 pura belpre award winner mm-hmm. it is it is the big book of last year and EJ and I said we wanted some young adult or children's sci-fi, and boy, we found it. This yeah. is it. This is this is as sci-fi as it gets. It is a. It's listed as a middle grade dystopian novel. It's dystopia for ten year olds, folks. We did it. We finally the, the new millennium has finally caught up to the the youngins, and we all have the same sense of ennui about sort of just like what the Earth is up to these days. Well, or in this case what the earth isn't up to yeah which, exactly <laughs> it's exactly what this book's about uh talk about opening with a cataclysmic event such yeah. as Halley's comet absolutely yeah. obliterating the earth and yeah. i just want to talk about this opening scene because the, the whole <laughs> opening of this book is just banger after banger of yeah a little it's a little tropey but it's also just like so visceral and so yeah, raw exactly like yeah just coming at it like it's physically painful it to is. read. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, in a good way. I want to be clear. In, yeah. in a like, oh, this was enrapturing. It sets a tool. But tool. also tone. debilitating. <laughs> yes. The tone is, and you know what? It. I think what it is is just that the image that she puts forth that really giving stakes to these situations. Yes. I think that's something that children's books sometimes struggle with uh, mm-hmm. is, is providing stakes yeah. And uh, this book, boy, does it have stakes. Um, yeah. Essentially, at the beginning of this book, we are following our hero, uh, Petra. Uh, and Petra uh, is escaping Earth uh, with other people who were selected by the government, essentially, uh, mm-hmm. to leave Earth. Uh, boy, Petra. and even that had some mm-hmm. undertones of just like, why? Why were yeah. we selected? What's going on? What's yeah, there's the de- what's the decision making process, right? <laughs> and, and but I see, I don't care about that. I'm like, sure. okay, whatever. The, the decision making process can be this long, boring chapter at the beginning of the book, or we can just hop right into they got well, because it's from the chased. perspective of this kid, right? right? And the kid is just like, I don't know why I was picked over our neighbor or right. whatever, but that or feels my grandmother. just dark, like right? Her yeah, own exactly. grandmother, like, what yeah. the heck? It's so it's just so dark. There's people basically rushing the gates. Um, who did not get oh selected, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then they get on the ship, and the other ship is just not going to be able to take off because it's getting overrun by people uh, who were not selected, and they right. have to take off as quickly as possible. And in the heat of taking off, they completely forget to sedate Petra. 
Yeah. Oh boy, and the sedation yeah. scene. My goodness okay. gracious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's before we get any further into it, let's at least give you the the basis of what this book is about, yeah. so that you maybe understand the weight of the beginning of this book. Yeah. It's about them traveling to a new planet. They have to abandon Earth because about Earth is about to get destroyed by a comet. Thank goodness it's not just like, oh, it's about to get destroyed because of, you know, all the normal reasons Earth is going to get destroyed these days, uh, which is like the climate being bad. Uh, it has plenty of other things to say about humanity later. It didn't need to focus on that in the beginning. Haley's Comet's going to crash into Earth. We have to leave. It's a, yep. what, 400-year journey to the new planet of Sagan, which means mm -hmm. all these people are going to be put under for that time. Uh, that, that's their take on this. Is not like a generation ship, but just, oh, we can lock everybody in stasis and then wake them up when we get to the new planet. Uh, so we know that's where we're going to go. Most of the book is going to take place with whatever's going on on this new planet but the big hook of this is like ej said hers doesn't work but before yeah. even that we have to sit through a scene where <sighs> mommy and daddy and older sister have to put younger brother to sleep and yep. everyone has the understanding of we know that when we wake up it will be 400 years later and we're not sure it will all work so we might be saying goodbye right now we yeah. might just be saying goodbye to little brother Javier. And then when it's Petra's time to go down, mom and dad might be saying goodbye. And then Petra's eyes don't close. Yeah. And mommy says, what's wrong? Why aren't her eyes closing? And Petra hears mommy say that. Yeah. And the doctor is like, oh, I'll just close those for you. And then Petra enters what she has to assume might be 400 years of a waking nightmare sleep yeah. paralysis <laughs> yeah it's it's so haunting like i can't <laughs> express to you this is a horror novel for the first like six chapters it is the scariest stuff i have ever read it is horror novel from the mouth of babes you know yeah. what i mean like it's so much scarier because it's a child enduring it if this were from the mom's perspective be like oh this is pretty sad but like from the kid's perspective like i can't express to you how twisted i was up by it like it, it just really freaked me out now luckily the sleep paralysis thing does not fully remain true She's. I mean, she's imagine down for a while. Imagine yeah, I mean, if we went that direction with this book, yeah. right? Oh my god, I I would probably lose and it. And then, and I I because so the last quintista quintista means storyteller. Mm -hmm. uh, so so this book is going to be about what the what the description is. So you know this going in. This mm -hmm. book is going to be about over this journey. Petra becomes the last, the only person who remembers Earth. So due to these glitches, due to her not going to sleep, due to these things that happen, once everybody else wakes up, they do not remember anything that happened um, and that ends up be having like a whole host of reasons there's sort of a mystery to solve of why that happened but petra's the only one who's going to remember uh add the uh, another reason for that is not only did hers glitch out but then also her sort of caretaker what's called a monitor the person who's going to be making yep. sure things go well for them uh he is into the idea that her family does these stories he's into stories he ends up like basically injecting yeah. her Imbi with the knowledge imbibing, of a lot of imbibing yeah, yeah. <laughs> right imbibing her with the knowledge of a bunch of books so she has all of these new memories now of many many stories to tell and yeah. then once he does that for some reason that triggers her to then fall asleep so thank goodness uh, we, we get to go to sleep spend, eventually we get to go to sleep oh boy <laughs> but oh boy were we worried for yeah. 
for several pages of this book. Yeah, no, this yeah. book, uh, this book launches out of a canon. I yeah, I can't think of a book we've read so far that that mm. puts you right in it. Uh, yeah, as much as the last Quintista does. It is uh from there. I would say the the story manages to get a lot more narrow. Because uh, once once Petra wakes up, we start following like a pretty specific sort of adventure with petra to try to figure out what's going on right but that that er the early stuff feels very daunting for like what on earth is the rest of this book going to be about but essentially uh you get one scene while she's asleep that is a glimpse into the big mystery which is the monitors have some sort of uprising like the people that are the caretakers yeah. on the ship that are not going to sleep and they are basically doing the generation ship thing of they know they won't finish the journey but like they'll you know their kids will keep keeping up with the people here well they have some sort of strange disagreement and some of the monitors have some sort of uprising and it causes a big dispute and when you wake up what has happened to the monitor culture is they have decided to essentially get rid of identity and to get rid of any sense of the history of earth uh what you later learn their justification is like the memories of Earth are the reason we had war and fought all the time. Yeah. So we perfection through unity is their idea, right? We want to yeah. turn everybody into the gray analog of each other becomes the the world that Petra wakes up to. Yeah, and I think this is the <laughs> defining moment of this book is when Petra wakes up, uh, we essentially she's lost. I mean, she's completely lost in this in this new mm -hmm. place. Uh, this is where I would draw parallels now. From this point forward, if you've read the book Aurora, mm -hmm. this book and Aurora, I think, have a ton of similarities, you know, yeah. uh, at least con conceptually. Right. Um, but Aurora is an adult book. Children do not read that book. Um, not for <laughs> well, you. It's, it's full of physics math, just literally written <laughs> out on the page. Physics, so you would yeah. bore yourself to yeah, sleep. You probably would. But it's a, but it is but it is a very good book in its own right. And it deals with a lot of the same things that these folks are trying to deal with. But the collective is the name of this group of basically uh humorless yeah. people yeah. Right. Who, who just think that it's better that nobody has any personality because i think that way they can remain objective essentially right and there right you know there is something to say for folks who want to try and do what's best for the greater yeah. good there's and, a beautiful line from petra's perspective at one point about three-fourths of the way through this book when mm -hmm. kind of the leader although there's not like a leader but like one of the main points of contact petra has for the collective says something to it, sort of justifying like why they do these things and petra thinks to herself i don't know that i could prove her wrong like i don't know that i have any way to combat what she's saying yeah. i just know that's not the right answer but but it she makes a good point like she makes a yeah. valid argument basically and that's the best kind of villain right we talked yeah. about that with uh with rise of kiyoshi kind of stuff where it's like a good villain is the one who's fairly justified in their actions if not taking it a step or two or 10 or 20 too far right and, uh, and we said in the kiyoshi books too that they actually provided i thought two examples one a very good example of a of a villain i think in jiangshu is that his name yeah and then and then the uh a bad example i thought in yoon so right i i thought that there was a really interesting dichotomy there i thought there was one really good villain and then right. one uh kind of run-of-the-mill uh yeah yeah you know no no real motivation i'm evil yeah i'm evil because <laughs> i am instead of yeah. uh, instead of maybe you know digging deeper into that but this book does a really good job like you said 
giving your villains motivation and humanizing yeah. your villains, even whenever we have a villain like in this book who isn't very human, who is very right. much right. Uh, a robot in their own yeah. respect, right? Like they, they want right. everybody to be the same and at the same time they are the same, right? There's, right. Um, there's a lot of that going on. But so then the core sort of morality problem of the book becomes that uh, Petra remembers things and she starts um, telling stories to like, like she basically more or less has has bunk mates. She, she where she sleeps and where she spends her time is with some other kids. And she starts read like reciting them stories. She becomes a storyteller. Thus, she is mm -hmm. the last Quintista. She's the last storyteller. And uh, you start to get this back and forth of like the idea of, yeah, there are there are bad memories and there are stories with bad endings uh, in in human history and yeah. in fiction and everything. But, you know, from Petra's perspective, the idea is the the stories themselves are all we have to cling to. If we don't have our individuality and our stories and our history and our connection to our parents, like what do we actually have? to live for like you know the collective's answer to that would be you live for the collective but that turns you into sort of not it turns you into a tool rather than a person i think is sort of the back and forth that's what i started to gather from this book outside of just the, the it's like half that and half like the adventure novel of her trying to escape right the, her main goal is to just get away from these people and mm -hmm. uncovering stuff as she goes but it constantly is referring back to you hear her telling stories to these kids and, you know, it would probably take a decently advanced, maybe even more advanced uh, reading comprehension than I have to sort of connect the stories she's telling to like, I don't know, the the nuance and allegory of what those stories are relating to within the book. Yeah. Every once in a while, I felt like the stories were just like, well, this is just sort of story we're inserting here. And I know I was wrong. I know part of that was me like listening to this book. No, on I don't double think speed. I don't think you were wrong. Actually, I don't. I don't think you were wrong. I thought that was one of the shortcomings of this book. And don't get me wrong, great book. Obviously, I love uh, a vast majority of it. But I think one of the shortcomings is uh, maybe not making uh, the stories as impactful as I thought mm. they could be. You know, sure. um, I thought that there could have been more of that allegory. Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe both of us just did not pick up on it at all. Um, and maybe right. we just did not read deep enough into it. Um, and I, I think that that might be a failing on my part, but I also think that there could have been, uh, you know, more parallels drawn to their current situation, I think. Right. Uh, and I think that the book does a really good job of, again, raising the stakes at every moment, but mm -hmm. not necessarily, again, connecting those back to the, you know, why is it important that we have a, a Quintista? And yes, we get there eventually. We get to yeah. why it's important because, like you said, every individual has a story to tell, and yeah. that's the importance, right? That's the the real importance of the book. Right. But it, I think it's just such a roundabout way of getting there um, sure. that by the end you kind of feel like, or at least I, I personally felt like I maybe didn't care as much about that part of the story. Yeah, I, I think what I come away with from this book and what I hope, I, I wonder how easily this like imprints itself onto the mind of an 11 year old. But like this book is so sad. It is so yeah. sad for so long. We haven't even talked about some of the saddest parts and we talked about some pretty sad stuff, but it gets way darker. It's But torturous. again, yeah. that becomes 
the crux of Petra's perspective is and her something purpose. happened and her purpose. Something happened in this 400 year journey where people did an atrocity, basically yeah. like an atrocity was committed <laughs> yeah. and we have no memory of it. Right. And that's not okay. Like it's not okay for those things, for the stories of the people that came before, for those to be washed away. You require the stories of previous generations to and you know obviously this is like history repeats itself but even more important than that you just need to share the stories of things that happen people should know basically this is partly about like oh storytelling the uh, you know the art of storytelling is important but it's also just like history is important yeah. and what the collective tries to do is wash away all of history it tries to fully reset the human race which you can't do like you, no. you can't just do that because to to do that means you have to commit atrocities which is like something you would you know you have to deal with and and the big thing is as she's going about she starts waking people up so obviously the collective has yeah. not perfected their goal of like fully wiping people's memories she is able to unlock people's memories which only means then that like this is eventually going to happen like people are going to remember things and and turn against the collective or whatever there there is no perfect solution i think is is a uh, an end result I get. Uh, Petra throughout the books has many hardships to try to solve her problems, to escape, to figure out what happened and all that. And in the end, she doesn't have a perfect solution. Right. But that's because what she learned is you can't, you just can't provide some sort of perfect utopian solution that does not exist, which is why the stories of people overcoming struggle are critical, right? Because there is no perfect answer to everything. Right. All you have is to the ability to learn the lessons from the stories you have heard. Right. And that they don't always have happy endings. One, yeah. one dystopian trope, like you just mentioned is the, is the waking up, right? Uh, you see mm -hmm. that in essentially every dystopian novel, but the way that the last Quintista executes, this is uh, rather unique, right? And in, in the, t in the storytelling portions of the book, how much do we want to spoil uh, every yeah. element of this book. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, that's that's been my big I actually, question. I actually don't think I want to because I've been sitting here this entire time trying to contemplate whether or not that's something that we should yeah. do. And right. instead, I kind of want to just talk about maybe why this book is for middle grade readers. I would yeah, say because that's tough. I had to grapple with that for sure. Yeah, so I would love to hear your take because it was like, what? Like, obviously. You know, I think we generally have the stance of just like, I mean, all stories are for everybody. Like anybody could read. Yeah, but are they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? Is I don't know. As a 10-year-old, I watched Face Off, okay? <laughs> I don't, like, whatever. <laughs> Anything can go in any direction, but. Yeah, I think uh, this book is for 10-year-olds in the same way that Face Off was for Matt when he was 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it isn't really. But what I think is interesting about this book specifically is putting that reading level on it. I would say this, you'd have to be a pretty, still a pretty high reading level 10 year old in order to mm -hmm. maybe grasp all of the concepts that are being introduced. I mean, there's I'm just one spoiler here. There's purging in this. There is yeah. purging of human beings in By this By purging, book. they mean um, it's probably genocide. I mean, firing into space or something. Like right. rem just the removal of yeah. That w w that she finds out that for anybody whose memory could not be wiped, yep. they were quote unquote purged. purged. And we don't yep. know exactly what that ever means because we get 
some hints that not everybody was just like shot out of the ship, but yep. probably a lot of people were just are removed. just floating in the vacuum of space. Yeah. 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 So yeah, how do you grapple with that as a ten year old? But I do find that this is such a good introduction to sci-fi and dystopia. Yes. So I think that's where maybe the entry level can be not necessarily that this is a whole lot of stuff that maybe 10 year olds should be reading, but if they are interested in this sort of thing, they will continue to read further and yeah. continue to get deeper into the genre. Right. Like, uh, right. Dyst I mean, some famous dystopian books, Fahrenheit 451, a decent sure. one, uh, yeah, 1984, yeah. a really good one, you know, essentially, uh, the the standard bearer for right. this sort of this sort of thing and then also Story, for yeah. some sci-fi books like aurora we talk about yeah. uh and and plenty of others so um it definitely sets a really solid baseline for what to expect when you get there not yeah. necessarily for what maybe you should be reading now but for what to sure. expect later and if this is a genre that might be interesting to these middle grade readers yeah. Well, let's talk also, though, about sort of the themes of, I mean, this book is in being a traumatic read. Yeah. It is it, like it is literally traumatic. I will have I will have visual memories now oh, yeah. to hearken back to within this book. But in being traumatic, like it is about trauma. This book is about trauma. And that's what stories can be about. Right. There's a new there's numerous kinds of stories. But one kind of story is about the trauma of things that happen in human life. And so from that perspective, even though it's like, boy, it's really haunting. Like, yeah. imagine kids who have experienced genuine, earnest, like adult style trauma. Yeah, true. To have a book that doesn't talk down to them, doesn't ignore that trauma exists. Addresses it. And, can, and addresses it and says like, these things happened. And it's because they happened that you are able to grow out of that and and change your perspective about life and and you know adapt as a human as we are all forced to do by by the like the sheer fact of existence is we are all here adapting to everything that that we come across so i feel like for me as a person who doesn't have any you know, I did not grow up with any major traumatic event to, to like harken back to. Right. This book feels really dark. Boy, that'd be crazy. But if, you know, if you experienced anything like this, if you are a if you are a person who was pushed out of your country, you had to leave your home. You are now a refugee. Like this story probably sounds excruciatingly close to home. Right. This is the story about refugees. This is the story about people had to leave Earth. And when they got to where they were going, who they were before was denied to them, right? You, when you become a refugee and you go somewhere else, so often when you get there, the people that are there reject your history in some way or another. And, and you know, what a, what a traumatizing thing to go through. So I can very much understand the importance of this book and helping people who don't experience that gain yeah. a better understanding of of the sort of emotional courage it takes to endure a difficult and traumatizing story <laughs> a long audible sigh that's yeah. the that's the subtitle of this episode is it's a this was a tough book to read and it not was. because it was unreadable because it was every page was like 
oh no we're gonna and then we're gonna go there oh and then we're gonna do that it's like it is bad event after bad event and it i will say this though i mean to the book's credit I mean, making the reader feel a certain way is mm-hmm. an incredible achievement, exactly. right? Exactly. I it's think that that's the real powerful point uh, that Donna Barbara Higuera, that's the thing that she does best is she builds tension really well. Like if you yes. want some books that do a, a good job of building tension and, right. and, and really, like I said, raising the stakes, but not so like they're not out of the realm of possibility in this universe, right? That was yeah. something we talked about before the podcast was... Uh, you know, oh, it's just like out of the realm of possibility. No, it's not. Like, this is right. the universe we've set. Sometimes you don't need to know why. This is the story right. that's happening. You right. need to focus on the fact that this is happening and that this is the way that our character, our main character, is trying to deal with this right. situation that and, we're currently and put in. Petra addresses that directly. Right. I mean, there's parts of this book where she basically uncovers the worst possible imaginable thing has happened to her and yeah. she's ready to give yeah. up. She And she thinks about giving up. Yeah. And then she sees these other kids that have heard one of her stories or whatever. And she says, I can't, I cannot give up, not, not just yep. for my own sake, but for their sake. Like it doesn't matter why something happened. It happened. And now we must move forward in whatever way we currently see is the best option. We have to just choose. <laughs> we have to choose a best path and take it and take it bravely. And I, I just think that that is. It is such a powerful message that this book constantly serves up because like I see other reviews and people talk about it being it gives readers a healthy dose of hope. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's like it doesn't it doesn't fill me with hope. No. But what it tells you is she finds hope in every right. instance that she can. Every time she tells a new story to a kid and that kid lights up and something changes about them. Yep. She has the tiniest little glimmer of hope right and that is that is enough for her to decide she must move forward so in that way like it is about hope yeah it's not generally yeah. a hopeful book but it's about having hope that's a better reading of what it of what i think people mean when they review this book okay yeah because mm-hmm. i was thinking oh this is gonna have a really optimistic ending but maybe optimistic isn't necessarily hopeful right right um and you're right clinging to glimmers of hope is generally what people in desperate situations do so right. yeah in that respect yeah i think that this is a very hopeful book in that way and right. in, in that right. it is about uh how to continue um figuring things out whenever it's really really daunting to do so and right um i'm going to kind of change the the tone here a little bit because i want to okay. talk a little bit more about like like how what humans should not leave earth it's just like <laughs> they, yeah. we shouldn't it's not a good idea we do we probably should solve the problem what? of what's ha- of of earth we should probably help it out yeah we should probably figure it. this one out this rock that we're currently on we need to figure yeah. this one out because because it sounds like other rocks aren't a aren't suitable yeah. for living i i thought it was interesting because this is kind of like like i said earlier uh, an exact opposite of aurora in a way yeah uh you right. know in aurora and i'm just going to briefly sum this up they arrive at a planet they find it's inhabitable and then right there there's basically two factions of people who get to continue keeping their emotions right in this right. case uh and they uh one faction wants to stay and the other faction wants to leave and we are following the people who want to leave right yeah it's because because the planet is uninhabitable because it's uninhabitable in the, the same the planet sense. seemed like it was going to be good but once they get there they're like oh wait We'll and all die if we we'll stay We'll all here. die because the atmosphere is uh, untenable. Uh, yeah. 
that in this book, it's kind of the same deal. They arrive at Sagan. Sagan is essentially not so good. It's it's not uninhabitable, but it's it's not great. Um, Right. And they decide that you know these objective beings now these this collective has decided that oh it's actually better if we just kind of sacrifice everybody's life on this ship to eventually die on this ship, but their children will get to go to this right. new planet that we found, like the, a parsec away or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and now we're on the side of people who want to stay. So right. I thought that was kind of an interesting dichotomy. But in the end, it's just like, it's they both address the point that humans cannot leave. <laughs> yeah, right. We can't right. leave Earth. There's just yeah. no way. Well, and I mean, it's hilarious that this is all coming up because Katie and I just uh, watched Interstellar the other night. It was a rewatch for me. It was the first time Katie had ever seen it. Incredible movie, by the way. That movie goes through a similar amount of hopelessness. I mean, there's yeah. there that movie goes through betrayal after betrayal of yeah. uh, mostly men. <laughs> I'll note mm-hmm. mostly, mostly some white men. dudes constantly betraying the project, the collective, Seems the good. group. Yeah, <laughs> no um, notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the the idea though at the end of that movie is like you. I mean, it becomes like fantastical, right? In in right. in reality, what ends up happening in that book is like it becomes a complete sci-fi thing. But that's how they save the day, and like the perseverance becomes the point of it. You have to keep pushing forward, do whatever you can to to save things. And the people that failed are the ones that gave up on that vision, are the ones that decided they just wanted to save themselves. Yeah, Interstellar makes that goofy point at the end that people hate, but is actually a really, really. I think touching point to me mm-hmm. and it, the, it, it was love the whole time. Right. Sure. And it wasn't, I think that people misconstrue that point in that, in that movie. And, yeah. and I think that it can get misconstrued here as well. And I think, I think I even misconstrued it uh, in yeah. this book that, that hope isn't, isn't the, um, you know, this beaming light. It's always right. just something small that you cling to. And, right. and that's what McConaughey does in that movie. Right. Like right. it, it was he love the whole time. To any he is literally of ridiculous. Yeah, right. He is literally just like I have to get literally to be alive ten seconds from now. Like right, the whole movie. The whole movie yeah. is just being Survival. alive ten seconds from now. Yeah. And a lot of that Petra goes through a lot of that same stuff in this. It's Definitely. it's not about <laughs> it's not about a year from now. It's not about a month from now. It is literally about two and a half minutes from yeah. now when I gotta do this crazy thing in order to make to ensure the survival of this right. group of people that I have. And yeah. that's incredible. And yeah. I I think that my tone has turned around on the hopefulness of this book and mm-hmm. that that that's the kind of stuff that I would look for uh maybe yeah. in more sci-fi. Definitely. And I do think you have to work for that hopefulness. Yeah. And so so to get to the mission statement of this show, which I think we often forget about is you know, yeah, judging our sometimes. kids for what they read. If I uh, came home and my mm-hmm. daughter had this book in her book bag. I would check in with her and make yeah, sure she's talk. doing all right. We uh, should talk. We should be talking. Hey, I see you're reading this book. What's it making you think about? What's it? Because I don't. F- it, it is very easy to feel a lot of hopelessness from this book and potentially not work through that hopelessness to see the right. hope it is trying to offer. And so I do think it would be important for parents or caregivers or teachers to work through this book together with kids I, this this one is one that's a book club a, a, this is a book club look this is a this is a book club that you need to t- sort of stick with them on because yeah. 
you it would be a shame if they got kind of led astray and and just felt pessimistic about the future of humanity i mean i think the next generation has a lot more dealing with than than we do i mean i think this is a critically important book for people that are gonna grow up in the 2050s oh man Um, i don't know what that's gonna look like and this book might be a a very important memory for them yeah i like the way that you put that and i i think that even you and me in this in this last 30 minutes i think we came into it kind of yeah kind of hopeless that we would find something yeah i don't want people to think i finished reading this book and found that glimmer of hope ej and i talking about this helped me find that exactly so i it is the thinking of this book that's more important than even the like read it and then definitely talk about it so you can figure out how to feel okay about it this is how a book like this wins a newberry Uh, like yeah the newberry committee definitely sat down and and the more they talked about this book the more they started to really love uh, all of the concepts because I, like, I don't know how you could put this book down and then immediately be like, wow, I feel like I could run. I through, feel great. I could run through a brick wall right now. Yeah. Like, no, like that's not really the vibe. But yeah, yeah. after certainly after a discussion. Yeah. Like you said, like if Nora brought this book home, I would. Uh, yeah, I would definitely want to be checking in with her and making sure that like, you know, I don't you never want to. put ideas in their head, right? You want them to basically come up with the original thought, right? It's like when you're a kid and you're like the first time you, you heard, like came up with a joke and you never realized that that joke's been around forever. It's like you thought you (laughs) you came up with that. (laughs) Like, absolutely. Like I'm the only person ever conceptualized knock, knock jokes, dude. Like, (laughs) like I came up with it. All right. Uh, so I think that in that respect, like letting her read it and then just letting her kind of figure it out and then having a discussion afterwards, you know, yeah, um, I think is the best way to go about this one. Cause I think if you are too much like, Oh no, 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 but that's not what this means. Like, I think it might just, you know, turn kids away from this sort of book versus like, if they're really interested in what, <laughs> what we're introducing here, which is yeah. dystopian concepts, they need to kind of, they need to buck up a little bit, <laughs> need to buck up a little bit and just learn how to take one on the chin. Cause this book is all about taking one on the chin. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It really core, is. So yeah, it's the crux of the, the message. Well, my goodness, this was a doozy. Yeah, uh, I I'm very glad we we found this one and and decided to dive into it. Next week we've got a really funny sounding book. Hopefully to me. funny. Uh, <laughs> hopefully funny. I mean, it's got it's certainly got its own darkness probably to it based mm-hmm. on what I see. It's about. We'll talk about what it's about next week though. But uh, if you want to read along, we're going to be reading "Insignificant Events in the Life of a Cactus" yeah. by Dusty Bowling. Uh, and it's on the slightly shorter side of mm-hmm. kids fiction. Um, so very excited for it though. It sounds, uh, from reviews and people, what, what people say about it, it sounds like it's going to be hilarious. So excited for maybe something that seeks to make me smile, uh, during the reading of it, which I can't say this book necessarily did, which is fine, but I could use a break. <laughs> yeah. We've definitely strayed away from the Timmy failures of the world. Um, we're hoping to get back into maybe stuff that's a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, you know, looking down our list, honestly, most of it has been rather lighthearted. It's, fun. it's just yeah. we just hit like a... <laughs> every once in a while, every few weeks, we get a somber one and we think about that and then we go, more jokes, please. <laughs> more I'll jokes. take them. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, EJ, thank you. Thank you, audience. And uh, I'm going to end this one with, with a little poem. What about that? What if we didn't have a going outline, but we go out with a poem? Does that I, sound fun? I'd love that, Matt. That would be That sounds great. Okay. So, I got Hope is the Thing with Feathers by Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Boobastay. <laughs> What would you? How would you feel, EJ, about uh, going out on just a poem, and then it just oh, yeah. it just it just fades out. It just fade. It's like we end on a poem, and then it goes away. It's just we get a little healthy dose. Like I'm trying to find a poem about hope right now. It's kind of messed up though. It's this. first off, it's messed up because well, yeah, just play Matthew Arnold's Dover Beach. Hath <laughs> <laughs> really neither love nor light nor certitude nor help for pain, and we are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight, where ignorant armies clash by night. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That that one's sad.